Guys, I, I feel like we're on a, the British show Curb Your Enthusiasm this morning. So I'm pretty excited that we get to get together again because it's been a long time. You know, the fact that we have, and I know there's some people here that you joined Lifehouse during the pandemic, so you have no clue of how our culture used to be, right? And so, I mean, we're still kind of operating at like 50% of, of where things were before. Um, but you know, our time afterwards was probably as important as the service. You know, so the fact that we can now actually have coffee and tea here, we can hang out in. We do have to hang out in the theater, not in the lobby, but that's fine. There's lots of space to wander around. It's a big, big space, and so you know, just to be able to get to know one another, to be able to connect with one another after after the service, encourage one another, because we're, we're while we're here to worship together, we're here to, you know, to learn together from the word, we're also here to be community together, you know, which is the most important. It, and one of the ways you get to meet people is on a Sunday. And I'm also super excited about the fact that we can do a Christmas party, which we're going to be having at the Lifehouse Center, because it's been a long time since we've been able to do something like that. So more details will come uh, you know, in terms of, of that. For those that are watching online that are asking the question, can I come if I'm vaccinate or not vaccinated? Yes, we're going to have specific times where people that are you know, vaccinated only can come and certain times that are mixed for people that are vaccinated or unvaccinated because we have to deal with completely different rules for both groups of people. But we're going to make that ha happen and work so we can function together well as a community. So let's be excited about that. Let's be excited about that. Online, be excited about that. Let it be extra reason to come out, to not stay at home, you know, but to be here and so we can connect again. We can be praying for one another. That's the great thing, right? We can now we can start praying for one another. We can lay hands on one another. That's the, the social distancing requirements are gone. We still have to wear masks. That's the only requirement we have here in the theater at this moment in time, which is amazing. So uh, we, again, uh, as you were invited this morning, we, uh, another thing that was a really big part of our culture before when we were meeting in the school was people coming up and bringing maybe a scripture that God had given them to encourage the church with. Maybe it was a prophetic word that they'd been given, you know, during the service or before the service. And so wanted or a testimony of just something God had done during the week that they wanted, you wanted to encourage others with. So I want to encourage you Come on Sundays anticipating that God might want to work through you to encourage the community. And we want to make room for that to happen on a Sunday morning. The, the, we do, you know, there's guidelines on that. Keep it short, you know, um, because we only have a limited amount of time. But the, and we have the different, the, there'll be someone on each side just to run it by them. Like, hey, this is what I'm sensing. This is what I feel like God's saying. Is it, does it fit? With what's with what's happening this morning, just again, so we can keep things on track on a on a Sunday morning, and uh, you know, just so that we can weigh things up before they're presented to the community. But yeah, it's it's such a key part of our culture, is us operating in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, in one Corinthians fourteen, Paul writes, he said, "Follow the way of love and eagerly, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially." prophecy. And he goes into a whole thing about the importance of prophecy and that it's there to build up and to encourage the church. With that in mind, I want to I share a prophecy that was given to us, to Lifehouse, last weekend. And of course, it has disappeared on my phone. One second here. Uh, da, da, 
There we go. And so, uh, some of you may know, we were away last weekend. Lee and I, there was a number of us that were in Ottawa at a, a, a small conference with some churches we connect with in Ontario. And one of the people there, Todd, who's been here at Lifehouse before, who's just got a very, uh, you know, there's, there's we, we all desire the gift of prophecy, but some people operate in the office of a prophet, where God's just given them a, a real anointing and insight to be able to speak into different situations. Todd is one of those people. And he uh, just, God gave him a word for us at Lifehouse, so I want to share it with us right now. And he said, he started, he goes, it's an odd picture. Uh, it was a large crowd. Everyone was gray. It's nothing distinctive of the individual people. You couldn't tell people apart. Even their clothes were the same. I asked God, what is this? And he said, it's a vast throng of equals. And it takes unique people to lead such a group. Your key is not who the next superstar among you is going to be. It's the power of God gathering a throng of equals and quality people who don't see themselves better than others. They will find family among your community. God will bring that to the top, the importance of the sense of family. Not only for the current members, but also for those who are coming. And they are coming. You couldn't screw it up bad enough to keep them away. And we knew, and we know you are people like that. You are excellent people. But even if a plate should fall, it wouldn't scare people who God is bringing to you who want to be part of your family. May they all serve you as serve together as one man, one woman. Let their strength be that they're not looking for promotion, but they're preferring one another. That they are, that will be the testimony among the group of people. And then you just prayed. We asked for a tremendous impact from this group of people in Toronto and the surrounding area. Highlight their name to people who want to know you and want to be joined in a family. We love them as, uh, so much and want to bless them in Jesus' name. And, you know, we got that and we were really encouraged. And, and it's an amazing word for us as a church. And it's, it's how we see this church. An amazing group of people. We are all equals together. You know, and we all have, a, we all are the salt and light into the world. And this world, this city that we are in, will be changed by the, by God's people rising up. You know, as followers of Jesus and His ways, and being a hope to a generation that's without it. You know, this this world is filled with anxiety, depression, fear. Those are the things that drive us these days. They're the absolute opposite thing of hope and peace, and joy, and the things that we're meant to clothe ourselves with as followers of Jesus. So for the last few weeks, we've spoken through four specific topics of, of real challenges that are being faced in Western church today. We talked about the fact that, you know, we don't connect our emotional maturity to spiritual maturity. We don't, we don't <laughs> judge spiritual maturity by our ability to love one another which is a real problem because Jesus did. We don't we put an emphasize emphasis on doing for God instead of being with God. We talked about the fact that we don't we're ignorant of our of our own church history. And last week 
Greg spoke on the fact that we define success wrongly. And so we've gone through these, and I've talked to some different people through it, and going, yeah, it's great we're identifying these problems, but what are we, what are we doing about it? How do we solve them? And that's what the next nine months we're going to chat about, and really you know, talk about how, how, for us, how we follow the way. So for Kirill, for a title for today, it would be Apprentices of the Way. Because that's what we want to do. We, we want to be, the scripture talks about us being disciples. But it's interesting, scholars are starting to say, hey, actually a better translation of that word that we translate as disciples would be better understood in our culture as apprentices. That we would be apprentices of Jesus. Now, before I get into this definition of apprentice, I want to read something from Pete Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. He says that an emotionally healthy disciple slows down to be with Jesus goes beneath the surface of their life to be deeply transformed by Jesus and offers their life as a gift to the world for Jesus. Let's be those people. An emotionally healthy disciple refers to a person who rejects busyness and hurry in order to reorient their entire life around their personal relationship with Jesus developing rhythms, setting limits, and following him wherever he leads. At the same time, they intentionally open the depths of their interior life, their history, their disorientations, their areas of brokenness, and their relationships to be changed by Jesus. And they are deeply aware how everything they have and all they are is a gift. So they carry a profound awareness of stewarding their talents as a gift to bless the world for Jesus. That's a great picture for us. You know, it's, it, and it's why we're on this journey. We want to be, as Pete Scazzaro would use the word, emotionally healthy disciples. That's what the book is about. In Jesus, we, we just want to be whole. Right? We want to be whole disciples. We want to be wholehearted and I want to live up to what Sean prayed over me, saying a man of honor, a man of integrity. Sometimes I don't feel that I am. You know, not that I'm intentionally you know, disintegrous, but, but integrity, by the very definition, is that you know, every aspect of who we are is integrated. Who we are on the outside is the same as who we are on the inside. What we say we believe, we actually live. Right? That's, that's integrity, true integrity. So as followers of Jesus, true integrity is our ability to live what it is that we believe as followers of him. And so, if we're going to be apprentices of Jesus, that means we're learning to follow his ways. Now, and this thing of apprentices, so I went to university. Now, univer- there's, you know, in, our, in our schooling system, we have university or higher education system, university, college, and apprenticeships. And so, if you, are, if you go to university... If you've been to university, many of us have, you know that it's theoretical, right? You go and you listen to someone lecture, you read books, you take different ideas, you compare them, con- contrast them, you assimilate those ideas in order to, to now come up with your, your own ideas, depending on the area you're studying. If you're studying engineering, it's a little bit different. If you're studying sciences, but same concepts. You're taking these different concepts at a theoretical level, right? And 
in, 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 in sciences, you're doing different experiments, you're trying different things. I didn't do sciences, so I can only speak from the, the areas of studies that I did. But it's, it's on a much more theoretical level at, in university. In college, it's, on, um, it's still you're reading books, you're going to lectures, but you are, you're, you're doing it on a more practical you know, on the one is, here, let's take this person's idea, this person's idea at the university level, let's take this guy's idea, this guy's idea, and now you form your own ideas. At the college level, it's read this textbook, these are the things you need to learn, step one, two, three, four, and apply those in your life. Right? I know I'm, I'm being incredibly general in, in, in what I'm doing, I'm this, so please give me the grace in my generalities. And, a, and an apprentice, for an apprentice, they're going and doing on-the-job training. They're learning directly from someone how to do something. They're like, okay, follow me. If I'm doing an apprentice, a, a, a friend of mine's doing an apprenticeship right now as a crane operator. And so as, he's, he's, as a crane operator, he's got to put thousands of hours in on the job, working around the cranes, working alongside the cranes, learning how to be the person that signals the crane on the grounds, practicing in the cranes. And after he's done that for a few thousand hours, he then goes to school and learns for about six weeks. You know, he goes to the, the college for six weeks to learn the theory for the next steps. And then he goes and puts in a few thousand more hours of, of practice. But in that, pra that is what apprenticeship is. It's we learn to practice something. We learn to actually do it. In, for Jesus, in inviting us to be his disciples, which is his students, or his apprentices, he's saying, come and learn from me. Learn my ways. It's not just learn my ideas, but how I live and apply them, how I live them out. And he wants to live out through us. He wants to live, he wants us to live in his way so his life is lived out through us into the world. So why Jesus? What did Jesus keep saying to people? He didn't say, come be my, you know, he didn't say, come be my disciple most of the time. He said, come and follow me. Follow me. So it wasn't just like, hey, go from point A to point B, right? It wasn't like, hey, follow me. We're going to go over here and, and, and just, you know, like as in if I give you directions, follow me to my house. It was follow me. Come and follow my life. Follow my ways. And that invitation to, to the 12 disciples is the same invitation to each and every one of us today. It's that we would follow his ways. Everything about Jesus' life, we would follow. It would make sense, right? Because we see in Scripture, talking about the fact that Jesus was the fullness of God, the, uh, the fullness of the deity in bodily form. He was fully God and fully man. He had all the same human limitations that we did. Jesus demonstrated how, as a human, to live following God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was setting an example and then saying, come and follow my example. Come and live this. I read these scriptures before. I'm going to read it again from Matthew 11, 28 to 30, where Jesus says, he says, come to me, all you are, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you 
will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the Message Bible, it reads like this. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, for our stressed out, anxious, fear-based, overburning-out world, there's no better time for this message. But we've got to be able to live this message. To come to Jesus has got to look different. Our life, if we're going to want to be a testimony to people around us, if people want to be able to be the salt and light of this world, we've got to be salty. And we've got to be full of light. We've got to not just have ideas to offer people, but a lifestyle that backs those ideas up. Unfortunately, in North America, the gospel is so often gets transformed to come and be healthy and wealthy. Right? The good news about Jesus, if you come, your life will be perfect. And then people come, and this is not the case. Right? We, we offer different things that are not the truth. Jesus said we'd have joy, not necessarily always happiness. Right? Jesus did not come to make the poor middle class or the middle class wealthy. You know, when he did the Sermon on the Mount, those people came to him in need and they became poor and they left poor. But they left blessed. Jesus came to bring, you know, to make wounded people whole again. People that have been wounded by sin. You know, people that have been separated from God. People that have had the burdens of religion put upon them that has weighed them down. That's who he was ministering to. Jesus was ministering primarily to the Jewish people, a people that were living under political oppression and were living under religious oppression at that time. And he came to point out, hey, you think you're following the Father, but actually, I mean, he's saying to some of those people, you think you're following the Father, and you think that Abraham's your father, but it's actually the devil. That's scary, because these people thought they were honoring God. That's what religion does, right? It, it weighs us down. It puts burdens on us. It makes us try to be something without giving us any power to actually live that thing out. It's the worst thing you can do to people. Say, live this way, but not actually give them an ability to live it. That's not what Jesus did. But the, the thing with this for us is we've got to be willing to try our ideas about life and what's important, and replace them with his. And, you know, he said to that rich young ruler, go and sell everything. He didn't say to everyone that followed him, go and sell everything. He said it to the rich young ruler, because that was the thing that had his heart. Right? He, he says to us to come and follow me. He says such some people, they're like, hey, listen, can I just go and, and bury, you know, bury, I think it was their, their father. And he's like, you know, let the dead bury the own de- their own dead, and you come and follow me. There's these, these different things where he's like, hey, come and follow me. For us, it's like, 
listen, Jesus, I would love to follow you, but actually, you know, the, the job I've got, it's just too stressful, or, you know, I'm busy with this in school, or I'm busy with these different activities, or I've got these sports that I'm involved in, or, or whatever, you know, I've got my kids, they're just, things are too busy, so I, it's way too busy for me to actually follow your rhythms of life. We basically go, actually, I'm just too busy to follow Jesus. The, the Bible's full of people that said that over and over. And, and I'm not saying that in a condemning way. It's the thing of just going, hey, the church today is sick and weak a lot. Of, in the I mean, Western church, I'm not talking about anyone here in the room. I'm not talking about Lifehouse. I'm saying the church in general is sick and weak. You look in the society, you've got a society where this church has been shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. This pandemic, you know, all my emails that I get from different, you know, people wanting to sell me their different programs is, this is why, you know, the, the look at the church is shrinking. After the pandemic, it's like 50% people have not come back to church because it wasn't actually that important in their lives. And, and it's, again, not a condemning thing. Because we, if we, if the church is not offering, if the leaders, if we're not as leaders offering people something that is Jesus and His way, then why would people come back? If it's just another burden or task, then I don't want anything to do with that. Not going to want anything to do with that. And so they don't. They're like, ah, oh, this, you know, it's great. Or, or if we've just made it about assimilating information. Well, I can do that from a podcast. I can do that from a book. I can do that watching online. I don't need community. I don't need these ways. But we can't have the life of Jesus without actually adopting his lifestyle. What does this mean? It means as apprentices of Jesus that we come to be with Jesus we become like Jesus, and we do what Jesus would do if he were you. I don't know, when I was growing up, there was these little bracelets that people had, like, what, you know, what would Jesus do? And it kind of became a cheesy thing, ultimately. It became a parody at times. But there's a, a real truth, not just in a bracelet that we wear. But if Jesus was a parent, how do you think he would raise his kids? I know he wasn't, but that doesn't mean if he was... When you, as a parent, go, I think Jesus would importance on those kids. Like, hey, I need to raise them up in godly ways. Now, I need to invest in their lives. I need to be there. And, you know, I failed in that many times. And it's these, these corrections in my own life that I'm making about, hey, I need to follow different rhythms, different ways, different, different ways, and set, you know, a different foundation for Joel and for Seth, that they'll be able to walk even better in the ways of Jesus than I knew at their age. Fortunately, my wife is amazing at laying a wonderful foundation, so she covers the areas that I don't cover well, you know, so it's good we get put together in team. This is where I fail, she's able to thrive. And there's some things I'm good at more than, than she is. But it's the thing, all, we don't advocate these different responsibilities. But if Jesus was doing your job, how would he do it? How would he do it? You know, how, how would he walk that thing out? If Jesus was in your school, how would he be that student? If, if he was, you, we can ask these questions. 
because he followed. You know, the things we know is that he would have taken a Sabbath. You know, he would have taken he would have taken a day a week because he understood the importance of that in recovering his soul and rest for his soul. He would have ensured that you know prayer was the foundation, spending time with his father because he only saw his father doing and saying. I know it must be something about my body. They have said that this hasn't been causing any problems the last couple of weeks, but I wear it and it's got. I don't know what's going on. The uh, we'll try and change sides. The um, there, he would have spent time alone, just to recover, to have perspective, because these are the things we saw Jesus do all the time. He wasn't driven by the needs of people. He wasn't driven by what the expectations of others. He only did what his father was doing. And we assume that we're supposed to be different. We're like, well, but Jesus. But he was fully man. And for us as followers of him, these practices we've got to incorporate in. Otherwise, what we're saying is that our career is more important than Jesus, that what our boss determines is more important than Jesus, that what, whatever uh, is going on in our life is more important than Jesus. And if we say that, then we basically it's that thing. Can you imagine if you were married, right? And it's like, um, many of you can't imagine you're married, right? Because <laughs> you are. So imagine you spent as little, you know, if, if we were just always making excuses as to why we never had any time to speak to, be with, or listen to our spouse, how well would that marriage go? Do that with your children. How well will that go? You know, with your friends. If we ignored, if we ignored our jobs as much as sometimes we, we ignore spiritual disciplines, how would our careers be? See, we either fully believe that Jesus holds everything together, including our jobs, including our families, or we don't. You know, and, and if we don't, then we just that would be honest about it, but then we're not actually following the ways of Jesus, and so we shouldn't be surprised when the life of Jesus is not present in our lives. Because it can't be without following his ways. You have to adopt his lifestyle if you want to experience his life. John McCormer in wrote, The Western church has lost sight of the fact that the way of Jesus is just that, a way of life. It's not just a set of ideas, that which we call theology, or a list of do's and don'ts, that's which we call ethics. I mean, it is that, but it's much more. It's a way of life based on Jesus himself, a lifestyle. Eugene Peterson in his book, The Jesus Way, said that the Jesus way wedded the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life. Say it again. Jesus' way married to Jesus' truth brings about the Jesus life. But Jesus, as the truth, gets far more attention than Jesus as the way. Jesus as the way is the most frequently evaded metaphor among Christians with whom I've worked for 50 years as a North American pastor. 
and, and having spent the last almost 30 years in church leadership, I know that. We talk about ideas, we talk about knowledge, we talk about, you know, we, we talk about being biblical. Jesus never talked about being biblical. I don't know, just freaked some people out. I'm not saying we don't follow the Bible, and it's not saying it's not important, it, it is, but our goal is not to be biblical. Our goal is to be followers of Jesus. And if we are followers of Jesus, we will be biblical. But when we put biblical in its in ahead of following Jesus' way, then we just get dead religion. Dead religion that produces nothing in people's lives. Our life is the byproduct of our lifestyle. What you give your time to, what you spend your money on, that will tell you where your life is going. It's a pretty simple equation. It doesn't matter what you listen to, you know, it doesn't matter what um, uh, literature you read, self-help material, it's all going to tell you the same thing. You know, what you give your time to, how you, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, that will determine your life. Jesus had a lifestyle of how he did those things. Scripture describes that lifestyle. It tells it to us. What are our priorities? What has our heart? What has our heart? Now listen, I say none of this from a place of condemnation or things like this to go, hey, let's consider this. I'm considering this. I say I'm speaking this thing out from massive adjustments that I'm making in my life and in my family. That I can't wait till I'm speaking of this from a period of where, hey, I've walked this out for many, many years. It's something I have been making changes and changes on but through for a number of years, but it just really, the pandemic highlighted it for me and there's some massive changes happening there. I don't get it right all the time, but what I've done is I've put my eyes on Jesus and go, okay, I'm going to follow you and get, try to get it right more often than I get it wrong and adjust my life and my lifestyle and my priorities. And I know it can be really easy to go, Hey, you're a pastor. It's so, you know, it's easy for you. Let me tell you, it's really easy to run a church without Jesus. And it scares me how often it's very possible to run a church without Jesus. And how often I find myself in a place where I'm like, whoa, I just went through the motions, but I don't know that I referred that, you know, how much of that was God and how much of that was me. So it doesn't matter what you do. There's no guarantee that you're, you know, it's not like, well, if you're a pastor, then it's easier to follow Jesus. No, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's no harder or easier. We all have different challenges in our, in our walk, in our journey to follow his way. The challenge is the same for each and every one of us. Whether you're leading a church, whether you're leading a company, whether you're an employee, whether you feel like you have no control or whether you feel like you have so much responsibility you don't know what to do. Jesus, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, we, the, one of the things for us, and, and over this next month, we're really going to be talking about being with Jesus. And one of the problems we've got in our society is that we have way too much choice. They say Costco, apparently, just from reading business stuff, Costco is so successful because you have limited choice. They only have like one, or usually only one option for you, maybe two of a product. 
So when you walk in, you don't have to figure out, well, wh- which brand do I buy? What's this? They've already figured it out for you. You just go in and you pick it up off the shelf, and it's why people like shopping at Costco. You know, the quantities, all these other things, the bargains we think for getting, all that kind of stuff. But psychologically, the fact that they've removed choice has actually made it easier for people. And, and I know, you know, in talking to people that have moved here, like many of you have from other countries, you come and you look at the realm of choice that we have, and it's in a grocery store, and it's overwhelming. And, and I know, like, when, you know, it's not the same level of choice, but when I've gone to other countries or gone, like, to South Africa with Lee and the family, and, I'm in a, and she goes, hey, let's go pick up some jam, and I go to the shelf, and there's all these brands of jam, and I have no idea which one I should pick because none of them I recognize. And the, this thing with choice is that there's all these options that people are telling us, man, there's so many TV shows you could watch, there's so many things you could do with your life, there's so many places to travel, there's so many things you can have, and it's like, I don't know what to choose. And I feel like I'm going to miss, or you know, we feel like we're going to miss out if we don't do it all. And we're told, we're bombarded by messages and media and things that say, you should be able to do it all. You know, and you should be, you know, the best at everything and have the time for everything. And we can't. We're limited. We have limits. And part of following Jesus is recognizing that we have limits. And that a choice to follow Jesus limits a whole lot of other choices. It's a thing. And that even as following Jesus, you know, again, there's so many books you can read. There's so many different things. But it's not about how much knowledge we get, because knowledge puffs up. It's how well do we love? How well can we love? You read the New Testament, pull back from it with the set of eyes of all those letters. You know, we get to the Gospels. The Gospels are biographies about Jesus. They're biographies that teach us what he taught and the way he lived. In the book of Acts, it describes some history and events that happened. And then the letters, and they're just letters to churches or people being written encouraging people how to live. So much of it's about teaching people how to love and what love actually looks like, how to honor one another, how to actually live out this life of following Jesus. For us, again, it's not about the knowledge we have. It's not about the special prophecies. It's not about all these different things. We, we should be, I say special prophecies. In other words, you're not looking for some secret knowledge. We just we we want to follow Jesus in His ways, the simple ways of Jesus. And so, yeah, we're going to slowly teach this. You know, I'm not going to give you a list in ten points and there go live that thing because you can't do that. We're going to teach this in a way that in nine months from now, while it's slowly, we're, we're going. Oh, nine months in, you're going to be like, man. If I've applied this different stuff, my life has changed. So today, as we walk out of this, may we walk out with a desire to learn over these next, from now till at least next June, as we're talking on this stuff, the ways of Jesus, and that we would put those things into our life, and that we would have hope. If you're sitting here this morning, or if you're watching us online, and you're like, I don't know that I could possibly change things, God knows what to do. God knows how to help you. And if you'll just allow him, if you'll be, trust him, and just begin to, okay, Lord, I want your easy yoke. And I want to learn to follow your ways, not the ways of this world. You'll be amazed at what he does.
I like that video I showed a few weeks ago with the orchestra, right? A person doesn't pick up a violin and play it expertly or, or any type of instrument. Just None of these guys just got up this morning and learned their instrument for the first time. No, it's a slow progression, building, building skill upon skill, thing upon thing, some knowledge, some skill, some practice. And that, for all of us, is how we're going to live out that testimony of this group of equals that are out there transforming the world. Because we're all equal disciples of Jesus. Well, I just want to pray for us. Lord, I, I thank you that you're here with us this morning. And Lord, I pray that, that we would follow you that we would not be afraid to adapt our life and make changes as necessary to be really good followers of your ways. And that we would, as the New Testament tells us, we'd clothe ourselves with compassion. We'd clothe ourselves with humility. We'd clothe ourselves with peace. And Lord, I, I pray for everyone here, anyone here that's sensing that has a sense that there is no hope or they can't do this. Lord, if they really want to do this, if they really want to follow you, I know you'll meet them in that place. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would be working on the hearts of each and every one of us so that we wouldn't be discouraged in any way, that we would be filled with hope. We'd know your incredible love for us. And we know that you would be with us in each adjustment and each change that we make. Amen.